0: As they are making their way out, I uh, just want to also celebrate and acknowledge um, just the blessing of that drive-in. Dad, did everybody that smooth? <laughs> yes, and. Uh I want to thank our parking team. I see some of these guys that served and helped you get parked. Um, just know we're, uh, you know, as you can see, we don't have enough room. Uh, we have now have, we think, enough parking, but we're trying to do all that we can as a church to make this place as hospitable and as welcoming uh, to each and every one of you. If you're a guest with us, thank you uh, for joining us. My name is Ryan, by the way. I am one of the pastors here, and, um, and, and we're just so thankful that you join us, um, and uh, we're doing the best we can to try and sort of navigate these things Um our Amazing parking team has really stepped up to try to just make it a welcoming place as you drive up, and uh, that asphalt was just glorious. I drove up this morning and just thought I could skate on this, and uh, and so uh, he's going to hate that I do this, but I also want to thank one of our trustees and really kind of our project manager of this property, David Garrett, who oversaw this project. You know, um, as. As you see, David, give him just thanks. He's poured a lot of of heart and and prayer um, into this. And our trustees, really the the reason that we could put that down this week and begin this work, and we're going to continue to try to do a little bit more on it, um, is really because of the faithfulness of your giving, um, just generosity and and recognizing that we need uh, to do it the best we can. That was a a pretty substantial financial investment for our church. Um, And that's why it stopped where it did, because that was where we ran out of money. All right? (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm just—I'm just being real straight with you. I'm being honest. We ran out of money at this top lot, and so. Um, I, I, David told me that that's somewhere in the neighborhood of about $89,000 for us to finish the rest of that. Um, it's not cheap, all right? This is very expensive stuff, but we believe it is important, again, to be as welcoming uh, to everyone that would come on our property. And so um, one of these kindergartners, one of those sixth graders, y'all write a check for $85,000 this morning, and we'll have it finished. David will get it done here in the next couple weeks. But um, that's one of our goals is we do want to try and finish that off just as our budget allows. But we are going to continue to always be wise stewards of our Resources. We're not going to allow uh, some of the projects that we have to do to get in the way of the ministry that we're doing, which is the ultimate and most important thing. And so as we see our budget increase and we can make room for those types of things, we definitely um, want to do that. Um, the last weekend we, was our summit weekend. If you missed that, it was a great weekend of, of our ministry teams really gathering around to focus on um, what it is that God has called us to do. And we had this theme for our summit weekend of, called Faithful Nobodies. And the idea of that really, our spring, this last spring, our staff spent some time together thinking forward to the kickoff of this fall and, and came up with this theme, and it really just centers around the idea that we want to see our church growing as people who consider, as Paul says in Acts twenty twenty four, who consider our lives as less significant, or as Paul says, of no value in, in contrast or in comparison to the purpose that he's given us to proclaim the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what we want to proclaim. We don't want to proclaim our name. We don't want the brand of City Church to grow. We don't want any of those things. What we desire is to be a church family who faithfully and obediently pursues Jesus in such a way it's not about us. We just want to be a bunch of nobodies who point to the one somebody that can change everyone's life. And that's Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And so that's where that theme came from. And Jonathan Dotson, my friend and pastor, was here last weekend and he taught from Matthew 5. Um, Where he explained how it is, he gave us a great picture, of uh, Jesus gives us a great picture of the church in Matthew 5 and he says that we are the light of the world, light of the world, disciples who live with beatitudinal light in such a way that God gets the glory on the earth that he deserves. Now, if you heard that phrase, beatitudinal light, and you kind of went like, what did he just say? What does that mean? Let me encourage you. Go back to last week. Listen to Jonathan's sermon from last week. You can find that wherever you find a podcast. It's on our website, Spotify, the Apple uh, podcast app. And you can listen to that message where Jonathan explains how the church, how Jesus' disciples live out the beatitudes at the beginning of chapter 5. And that is, is, is what brings us to be the light of the world. And that light shines into the darkness and transforms. Well, as I thought about this week, we are in a study in the book of Acts. That's where we've sort of been. I just felt compelled and, and spent a, little, a lot of time in prayer this week preparing that we needed to spend one more week, at least one more week, before we jump back into the book of Acts, thinking about what does it mean to be a group of faithful nobodies and how do we live this out. Jesus gave us another illustration beyond Matthew 5. And calling us the light of the world. He gave us another illustration of bringing glory, the right glory that God deserves on the earth through John 15. And in John 15, he teaches his disciples what it means to be a follower of him. And how they can live in a world that so often will pull them away from him. And away from doing the things that Jesus would call us to do. How can we see the world Transformed. How can we as disciples bear the fruit that God would intend us to bear? By the way, it doesn't start with focusing on being the light of the world or focusing on bearing fruit. Too often, that's where our attention goes. I want to be the light of the world because I know Jesus has called me to be the light of the world and our attention is on being the light. Or I know I'm to bear fruit because Jesus has said I'm supposed to bear fruit and through the bearing of my fruit that God will know know, and and see that I love him and that others will see that I love him and their lives will be changed. And we, we put our attention too often on the result, on the thing that we want to see. Well, Jesus teaches us in John 15 that we don't focus on the result. We don't look towards the objective first. Where we are to look is to Him, and we are to abide as we sang just a few moments ago. So if you're able, would you stand as I read from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Lord Jesus, I do pray that our joy would be full in you. Help us to be a people who abide in you, Jesus. Help us to not be so attentive to the things that we are doing, the goals that we are accomplishing, the life that we're living. Help us to be attentive to who you are, our relationship with you. And help us to abide. I pray that your spirit will move over us this morning and strengthen us as we study together. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we strive to live out this calling to be a group of faithful nobodies, to be a people who aren't concerned with our fame, but only the fame of Jesus, it becomes really hard for us, doesn't it, to think about how can we sort of guard our hearts from focusing on the outcome or the result that we desire. So often we get so focused on that outcome, the results that we're after, that we miss doing and living a life that leads to the results that we want to accomplish. Just a few days ago, our local football team won a game. The Melissa Cardinals played on Friday night. Some of you understand, that's exciting. Some of you don't care, that's okay. It's fall, we're going to talk a little bit about football every now and again, but our team won a game, and the score was 50-14, to 14. that was the end result of the game against a big rival. I want you to just imagine how well this team, this football team would do if you continued as they continued through this season, if their focus was over and over again, just simply on that result, 50-14. to 14. Imagine that yesterday, or, uh, yeah, yesterday morning as the team came together and the coaches gathered the players together, they just said 50 to 14, 50 to 14. And as they watch film tomorrow or do all the things that they do in practice, the coaches just continue to repeat to themselves, 50 to 14, 50 to 14. That's the result we're after. The defensive guys come forward, hey, coach, we heard that this uh, new quarterback we're playing next week, he's, he's a little mobile. I don't care about that. Just focus on 50 to 14, 50 to 14, Do you think that the team would do that well next week and the weeks that follow if all of their attention was simply on a pass score, on a game that has already been played? I don't know enough much about football, but what I do know is that that would not be the result. If they focus simply on the result that they were after, putting their primary attention on a pass score, they're not going to see their lives continue to move forward and using all the gifts that they've been given to give, to use. In the same way, sometimes as Christians, we think back to a time in our lives where we put our faith in Jesus, where Jesus interrupted our lives, completely transformed us, raised us from death to life, and we think back to that moment, and that, that accomplishment of Jesus, not of us, but that accomplishment of Jesus is sort of where we bank all of our life on. I've been redeemed, I know I've been raised to life, and now I'm just going to kind of do everything else, and I'm going to completely ignore a life of Christ, walking in Christ, or We think that I want to just continue. I know what Jesus did in my life at some point in my past, and I just want to keep focusing on that. We know that as Jonathan taught us, that we are to be the light of the world or the salt of the earth. We are to be, as Jesus said here, we're to be people who bear fruit. If our attention is too quickly taken to that objective or that outcome that we're after, we lose sight of the fundamentals. We lose sight of being who Jesus has called us to be, and the results that we're after, Jesus teaches us, come from one simple thing, abiding in him, abiding. The focus of our lives should not be, can't be on the outcome, it must be on the one who brings those outcomes to bear, which is Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Well, in John, Jesus, and he's, when he's speaking here in 15 that I just read, he's speaking to his disciples and he's telling them about how they are to live this life. See, in John 14, he had told the disciples that he's about to leave them. He's preparing to depart from them. Jesus always knew he was headed to the cross and he's preparing his disciples by saying to them, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to depart from you. But here in 15, he tells them, this is how you'll continue to find life. This is how you'll continue to bear fruit, my fruit. Can you imagine the disciples? They've spent three years with their best friend, their best friend who happens to be God, fully God, fully man. He's been walking with them, teaching them about God's ways, teaching them how to live for him and all these sorts of things. And then he says, I'm going to leave you. They were scared. They were fearful. They didn't know how to take that one step of faith. They didn't know how to keep going and so Jesus wants them to be prepared for his departure and he wants to remind them that they will continue to bear his fruit if, again, they do this one thing, they abide in him. See, Too often, we look at this text and we think about bearing fruit. The focus of our attention goes to bearing fruit and that's out of order. Jesus, through this text, is reminding us we must Abide in him. So, as we look closely at John 15, Jesus begins by saying to his disciples and to us, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the true vine. Now, we don't pick up on this immediately, so let me give you some context. That The disciples, when Jesus says this, will understand that Jesus is proclaiming himself, one, to be God, but also to be the one who would not fail where Israel had so often failed. See, Israel was referred throughout the Old Testament in the Psalms and uh, Isaiah the prophet, Jeremiah the prophet, Ezekiel the prophet. Over and over again, Israel is referred to, referenced for, is kind of the symbol that is used as the vineyard, as God's vineyard, as the vine. And in every one of those texts, more often than not, those texts refer to Israel failing to bear the fruit that God would intend his people to bear. And so Jesus is telling them where Israel failed I won't fail. What assurance those words are to his disciples when they've just heard, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave you, and you're going to be here, and you're going to continue to do this ministry that I've given to you, to know that where Israel failed, I won't fail. And he gives this confident word to his disciples that they will continue to bear fruit. He is the true vine, and the true vine keeper is the Father because Jesus is the true vine, he will have branches that will bear fruit. How could Jesus be so sure that his disciples would bear fruit? How could he be so sure? How could the disciples be so sure that they would bear fruit? Well, he tells them that as he comes to verse 3. Verse 3 is a unique way of Jesus proclaiming the gospel to these hearers. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Already You are clean. There's probably some of you in this room who believe that your relationship with God is contingent upon you cleaning yourself up, sort of figuring life out. And when you get to a certain place of sort of cleanliness, you think then you can come to God. Jesus turns that idea on its head when he says, already you are clean, and guess what? You aren't clean because you did something. You are clean because I spoke my word to you and you have received my word because my word has made you clean. If you are a follower of Jesus right now, you know that you've trusted Jesus with your life, that you've been raised from death to life. It's because Jesus' word to you has made you clean. He has redeemed you. He's transferred you from darkness to light. You've been made clean. And and that assurance, because that confidence that Jesus has in what he he has done, he says his disciples will be able to bear fruit. Well, how can we know this? Jesus is the true vine, and branches in the true vine will bear fruit. I could have said this another way. It would have been a longer slide, so I didn't. (laughs) Branches in the true vine cannot not bear fruit they will always bear fruit if they are abiding if they are a part of the vine they will bear fruit i thought of this as i was preparing this message this is our third year owning this vineyard and and living here as a church family first time i've preached this text fully since we've been here in three years but i don't know if you've noticed hopefully you you noticed there's a vineyard surrounding us it's beautiful Here's what I can tell you. If the vine is alive, it does bear fruit. There's nothing that can stop it. I'll just tell you, as you notice as we drive in, the first set of vines are pretty noticeable here. They are overgrown. What that should tell you is we didn't really take very good care of them The natural process of whatever agricultural things happen, sunlight, water, the natural rain, we didn't irrigate very much. We didn't do much pesticide. We didn't do hardly anything to it. We just let the vine grow. And every single one of those vines that that is alive, it bore fruit. It cannot not bear fruit because it's in the vine. Those branches bear fruit. Branches in the true vine will bear fruit. So often, again, we tend to focus on bearing fruit. We try to manage that outcome. And that's not what Jesus says to us. Look at this text. Does he ever say, bear fruit, bear fruit. I need you disciples to bear fruit. What I want you to focus on is do this list of things and you'll bear fruit. Show up to church, kind of give a little bit of money, do a little bit of Bible study every now and again, do all these sorts of things, give generously to your neighbor. And if you do that, that'll bear, then you're bearing fruit. He doesn't say any of those things. What he gives us, the instruction that he gives to his disciples is abide. Abide in me in verse 4, and I in you. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me. Abide, abide, abide. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide, he's thrown away. We see this contrast. Branches in the true vine will bear fruit. And So the calling for us is to, to allow ourselves, to allow our lives to rest. And abiding in Christ. And this idea of abiding in Christ does involve making some room for Christ. It's a lack of abiding that leads to losing room. This is just one of these natural reactions. See, the more I abide in Christ, the more I foster my relationship with Jesus, I spend time with Jesus. I'm going to get to what that looks like on how we can abide. But the more I do this activity of abiding, guess what happens? I have more room for Jesus in my life. There is more work that Jesus does in my life. My life brings more glory to Jesus in all the things that I'm involved in. Conversely as I allow all these other things of life to consume my time and my energy and my focus and my attention, guess what is left over? Very little time for abiding in Christ and the room that I have for Christ in my life begins to diminish. Jesus is the true vine and if we're connected to the vine, we will bear fruit. We have to abide in him to see that fruit born. I'd ask you this question, What is the source of life for you? Where where do you find yourself energized and what propels you in life? Is it your job, your career? That's what, when you think about life, it's sort of anchored around your schedule and the time that you have to do the work that you love and all that you're passionate about. Perhaps it's your accomplishments, whatever those may be, or some of us, it may be your child's accomplishments. Your life is found as your child does this or that your family's safety, some of us find find life in our bank account, some of us find life in our Insta feeds or our TikTok videos, some of us it's Fox News or CNN, that's where we find life, we're energized by that. All these things distract us from abiding in Christ and the more and more we are obsessed and allow those things to consume our lives, the less we will abide in Jesus. Here's the test for you. Every single one of you, or at least a good number of you, have a little thing in your pocket that will tell you exactly how much time you spend on everything. It has your calendar in it. If you look into the systems, you can find how much time you spend on each and every app. You can get a report every day of how many hours you spend on that device. And I'd encourage you to take a look at that. It's been convicting for me in the past. It might be convicting for you to look at all of the things that you are consumed with or that you are consuming that do not allow you and leave no room for you to abide with Jesus. Branches in the true vine that have been raised to life by Jesus will bear fruit. And that bearing of fruit is not something that is optional, it will happen. And so if we want to see fruit and we want to see the fruit of the gospel at work in our life, then the calling is to abide in Jesus. Because, as Jesus says there in verse 5, fruit, yes, it's going to be borne by those that are branches that are in the vine, but fruit is the result of abiding. Fruit is not the result of thinking about fruit. <laughs> we don't just think about it dwell on it, meditate on it. I need to bear fruit. I need to do this. I need to do that. That's not what's going to lead to us bearing fruit. What will lead to us bearing fruit is abiding in Christ. This is why Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Jesus, Earlier in verse two, Jesus said that every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So in verse 2, we have this, Jesus says, I'm going to do a work in you so that you bear more fruit. And if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Jesus is confidently telling his disciples, as you go out into the world and live the life that I've called you to live, you will bear the fruit of my life in you if you simply would abide in me. Galatians 5, Paul gives us the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, thing there is no law. That fruit, all of those evidences of the Holy Spirit at work in us being born out in our lives is the result of us abiding in Christ. And Jesus says, as we bear much fruit, we prove to be his disciples. Notice again, look closely at that verse in verse 8. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And what? And so prove to be my disciples. I want to convince you one more time with this text. Look at the language that Jesus uses there specifically. Jesus doesn't say, if you bear much fruit, if you do all these things, then I will make you my disciples. He says that as you bear fruit, you will prove what you already are. Already you have been made clean by my word, by the gospel. And if you believe in that and you rest in me and you trust and you abide with me and the relationship that you have with me is primary in your life, then what I can promise you, Jesus promises you, is you will bear much fruit and prove to be that which you already are. Again, we get this backwards because we say to ourselves, I want to bear fruit because if I bear enough fruit, then people will think rightly of me, think better of me, and they might believe that I'm a disciple of Jesus. Spend more time with Jesus. Abide with Jesus. Spend time in his word. Spend time with his people. Live this out and watch as fruit is born in your life. More and more fruit is born. When we were newly married, my beautiful wife... She would watch football with me a little bit, but it really wasn't her, like, favorite thing. Now, on Sundays, beginning next week, I can't go home and start the Cowboys game without her. That's that's what we do together. I've discipled her very well in that. And she finds joy in that, I find joy in that, we sit side by side, the only time is when she gets some, there's always a ladies meeting at noon on Sundays, and then I can't watch the game until later, there's a little conflict in our household around that, but other than that, watching the game together is awesome, and why? Because she and I spent that time together, found that, and it bore fruit in our marriage that we get to spend that time together and that side by side time. As we abide in Christ, and that's a silly example, honestly. But as we abide in Christ, we're going to see the fruit of Christ at work in us. And it's going to begin to overflow. And guess what? It's not going to be a struggle. You're not going to have to fight to bear fruit. You're going to simply abide in Christ and the fruit will be a result. And this is what Jesus gets to at the end of this text in verse 11. He will bear fruit in us. Jesus will bear fruit in us so that we have his joy. These things, verse 11, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Some of you have a religious experience in your past that you would say there is no joy in your relationship with God that joy is not at all a part of that. It's simply a task to be accomplished. You constantly feel as if God is disappointed in you, as God is condemning you, as God is thinking less of you, and you see your life with God, your relationship with God in such a way that you just always feel less than. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. This is not the way that Jesus has called us to live. And the gospel frees us of that, friends. It frees us of feeling that way because already you've been made clean. Spend time with me, he says. Abide in me and let me be the one who is concerned about the fruit bearing. If you spend time with me, you will bear fruit and you will see the joy of that fruit bearing. I've said over the last few weeks, last week when Jonathan at the very end I came up a few weeks ago, I said this as well about our church. I have so much joy watching this church bear fruit. It brings me so much joy to just see all of the ways that you're engaging in ministry, that you're loving one another, you're caring for one another. The students seeing Charlie stand up here and talk about discipling six years. My joy is overflowing. Why? Because I see a group of people who are filled with the joy of Christ. And exactly what Jesus promised. Our joy is full. We see joy. We experience joy. And that joy doesn't mean that there's not hard things. It doesn't mean that there aren't circumstances that are painful. But it sustains us. So very quickly because I'm way out of time. How do we abide, three things. First, believe the gospel, believe the gospel. Abiding with Christ begins by trusting in Christ. Believe what Jesus said to his disciples, if you would put your faith in him that you would already be made clean. It's through his word that we are made clean. Believe in the gospel and rest in that. If you don't know Jesus, if that sounds confusing to you, This is where, again, our elders will be down front. We would love to pray with you, encourage you, and just help you understand what it means to believe in the gospel. Two, look at what he says in verse 7. He says in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. We need to trust God's word. We trust by abiding in God's word. We build our lives, again, from the kindergartners all the way up to every single one of us in this room. This is the foundation for our life. This is where truth is found. And this is the truth. Third, rest in God's love. Jesus says that if we abide in his love, we will keep his commandments. It's interesting that he draws this connection between love and resting in God's love and keeping his commandments. But do you know what Jesus said? Do you remember what Jesus said of the greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is this, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. As we abide in Christ, as we rest in his love, we will be able to more faithfully fulfill that commandment to love one another. Calling back to what Jonathan said last week. As we understand and remember the graciousness that Christ has shown us through his love for us, how can we not be gracious to others? As we have received the the compassion of Christ and his tenderness towards us in our sin, how can we not be compassionate towards others as they sin and they make mistakes in our lives? As we have received the generosity of Christ, how can we not be overflowing with generosity towards others in all of these things? We rest in God's love and it allows us to fulfill that commandment to love Him and love others. Brothers and sisters, if you're in Christ, you will bear much fruit. He will do it. You don't have to strive. We don't have to be a bunch of the little engines that could. We will bear fruit as we abide in Him, rest in Him. And we're gonna sing a song that reminds us that it is him who holds us and he will sustain us. So as we sing this song, meditate on that. Let that be a prayer, a reminder to your heart that Jesus holds you in the palm of his hand and he will not let you go. Let's stand. Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9:30 and 11 a.m. and we look forward to meeting you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God, the good of the city and the hope of the world. Oh, you say